that sound like anybody? Oh man, I love lists way too much. I need one when I go to the grocery store for sure. Liz. I come back with so many things that are bad for me, including bacon, but that's good for me, so that's okay. But listen, I love lists. It helps me stay focused. I love a, it helps me have a sense of accomplishment. And I have lists that have a, a task or an agenda item with a list underneath in that list. I have list inception all the time. Now, listen, do you know who's the queen of lists? My wife, Annie. Oh my gosh. She has a list for everything. Everything from home, personal, work, and one for each of our kids. And we have four kids. And of course, she has the typical honey-do list for me, right? We and our family love lists so much. Annie, oh my gosh, she loves checking things off her list so much that even though she might do something, she'll write it on her list just to check it off. Anybody here do that, right? Yeah, okay, a bunch of you, man, online if you're watching too. Yeah, it's just so funny because I'm like, you already did it. And she's like, but I need to feel that sense of accomplishment. Do you all get that? I love that ding when I check off of my app that I've done something. You're like, ding, you're like, satisfied, right? It's this feeling of accomplishment. It's this feeling of contentment that we all love. I was reading this article a couple weeks ago. It was by The Atlantic, and it was called, and the title of the article is, We Are All Success Addicts, right? We love to feel successful. In fact, the article talked about how we like to feel more successful than we do feeling happy or content. We will knock stuff off our to-do list all day so we can say at the end of the day, I feel successful. I relationship well. I parented well. I feel good today. And then based on that is where we find our identity a lot of times or where we find our, how we do, are doing at life. But here's the problem. What happens the days you don't finish your checkboxes or your lists, right? What, when you, maybe there's an interruption or maybe a car broke down or life happened or a kid got sick. Then what happens the next day? Your list gets back up, backed up and more and more keeps getting onto it where every day we're just trying to catch up because that feeling of satisfaction is fleeting. And then we feel like we've got, uh, like we, we can't keep our head above water. We feel like uh, we're always in the weeds and we can never catch up. Let me explain. Maybe your life sounds like this kind of list. You wake up, you eat breakfast, you go to work, you plan that presentation, you send that email, you complete that TPS report, you do laundry, you plan a vacation, you get your kids to dance or any activity, football practice, whatever, and while they're there, you go and try to the, you go to the grocery store to figure out what you're going to do for dinner, right? Then you pick up your kid, you go home, you have bedtime, you have bath time, reverse that, and then you finish the presentation you planned earlier, you send that email you forgot to send, and then you eat dinner because you're starving and forgot to eat lunch, then you check to make sure you've hit all the requirements in order to graduate, you study for that test, you shower, maybe, if you have time, you fall asleep on the couch, wake up at 2 a.m. and move to your bed, and you wake up the next day just to do it all over again. Does that sound like anybody in here? can easily feel like life is never ending, right? That life is like a series of lists, rules, and boxes to check. Now, is that the life we want? No, but we keep doing it, don't we? We keep living that fast-paced life that, that, that we've got to feel that sense of accomplishment, even though it's constantly fleeting over and over. So what if I were to say, or what if I made this statement, and if I told you that the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life you're currently living. That the pace of life you're going or the life that you're, you're constantly running at right now is not gonna ever accomplish what you hope to accomplish or to become the me 
that you want to be, who you want to be known as. Like when you die, do you want people to say, man, that person, they checked off a lot on their to-do list? Or do you want them to say something different of how much you actually accomplished, how much you moved the ball forward, what you actually brought into the world and how you changed lives? So we have to change the way we're living in order to get to the place where we want to be because this pace of life is not sustainable or this way of life is never gonna get you to that place. And it's hard because we've all been born into it. This has been our life since we've been born, right? Even as a little kid, do better, behave this way, keep up with, why can't you be more like, accomplish, do, be, all those things. It's just been built into us for the whole time we've been alive. And it's not a new problem because it even transcends even way before us, all the way time, all the way to when the authors of the Bible actually wrote about this. See, when the nation of Israel, God's people, were on this earth and they were being formed, there was no government, there was no set of rules, there was no standard of living. So God said, I'm gonna create a law. And I'm gonna, and you might know this as the Ten Commandments. I'm gonna create this set of rules that we can govern our ways by so we can live different than the rest of the world. So you can know that you and I are together, that I am pleased by you. But here's the problem. If you know that list, how hard is it to keep, even today, right? Yeah, do not murder. Got that one. Check. I'm good to go there. But do not lie. Do not put any other gods before our Heavenly Father if you're a follower of Jesus. Some of those other ones are kind of tough, aren't they, to do? And so people back then, they had just as a hard time trying to keep, to keep it up that when they would mess up, God offered a solution he would say, you have to sacrifice an animal. Praise God, we don't do that anymore, by the way. But uh, you have to sacrifice an animal to ma be made right with me so you can keep uh, having a union with God and he can keep being pleased with you. But the problem is, as life kept going on, more things being added to our plate, the standard of living kept increasing, things started coming to play that people just couldn't keep up with it. So eventually, these Pharisees rose up. And Pharisees were the ones who would dedicate their whole life to living the law, according to the law, to a T. Like they would say, I am perfect. I am completely living the way God wants to me to live. And then their job also would be to help other people live that way. The apostle Paul, who we've talked about a lot here, he was one of them. And one day he realized after having an encounter with Jesus Christ, that there's a better way of living. That this way of constantly checking off the boxes to please God, to live life is not, it's hard. It's almost impossible. You're just running this rat race of life. And when he has an encounter of Jesus, he gets converted and he becomes a follower of Jesus and he realizes there's a new law. The old covenant, the 10 commandments, the old covenant, Jesus came and fulfilled that and now there's a better way of living. So he writes about this in his letter to the Romans. Now this letter is fascinating. In fact, if you get a chance during this series to read it, I would highly recommend it. It's the essentials of Christianity. And in the first section of the letter, he talks about why living uh, according to the law was built into us. But then it takes a turn around chapter eight and it, there it starts to becoming, uh, to help you understand what it's like to really live this new way of life, which I'll get into in a second. And so I highly encourage you, read chapter eight this week. It is so encouraging and it's so helpful. But here's what the apostle Paul writes to the Romans. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now this term in Christ Jesus is fascinating. Uh, some translations use the word belong. You belong to Christ Jesus. If you're in the room in, or if you're watching online and you're a follower of Jesus, you have chosen to belong to Jesus, to be under his leadership, to live his way of life, to serve his practice, to live out his practices by serving him. And that's what Paul was saying. And for, if you've chosen that way, this is so encouraging. There's no condemnation for you. 
God is not angry with any of you. He is, in fact, pleased with you. You don't have to strive. He's not saying you have to do anything to earn my love. You are not condemned. There's no wrath of God coming at you. But yet, sometimes we still choose to live this way, don't we? Sometimes we look at our relationship with our Heavenly Father as a series of boxes to check. I've been to church this week. Check. I've prayed this week. Check. I've read my Bible. Check. But when you get to the end of the week and you haven't checked any of those boxes, how do you feel? Almost guilty, right? Almost shameful. And you say things like, I guess I should have read my Bible more, or I guess I should have prayed more, should have spent more time with Jesus in the morning. Whatever it is, insert how you make yourself feel guilty, how you condemn yourself. And that's what Paul was talking about. He's like, why do we keep doing that? Why do we try to live our life this way? We keep trying to please God or please even ourselves. And that's the thing. He continues on and explains why you shouldn't be doing this. He says this, because through Christ Jesus, Jesus, and what he's talking about here is how Jesus died for you, came back to life, and forgave all your sins if you past, present, and future if you follow him. And this is so encouraging because we no longer have to live in guilt and shame. We are free. And he continues on. He says, through, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from what? The law of sin and death. This previous law, the part of the Ten Commandments, this previous law that God had given, you no longer have to live through the law of sin and death. See, the law was established to only make you feel guilty, to make you feel like you know what your sin is, that you can never be close to God. And it would say stuff like, man, you're bad. Fail, fail, fail. You're bad. Do better. It just exposes your badness and your sin. And sin is anything you do that hurts yourself or hurts other people. And so what Paul was trying to explain is you no longer have to live by this rule where you have to please God. You have to keep fighting and striving and trying to do your best and do more. Instead, you have the law of the spirit. This is so cool. When you choose to follow Jesus, you get God's Holy Spirit living in you, which gives you the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. And you receive that spirit. So when God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, and says, I am so in love with you. I'm so enamored with you because you are now part of my family and you can do nothing to be removed from that. And what that does is it sets you free. It helps you, it lifts a weight off your shoulders. It helps you not beat yourself up and helps you not feel like you need to live the way you've been living constantly, going and striving and doing and doing. Do you see how this is already built into us, this way of just doing things? And to make us feel better, but at the end, we're never really fulfilled. It just constantly is, it's enabled, we enable ourselves, but it's also been built into us. This way of life actually has recently becoming more and more popular with doctors in the sense of they're starting to see a pattern that's happening. And they've coined this term, and it's called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. And here's the definition they're giving it right now. A behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Sound like anybody here? right? This week, I felt this. Uh, This, ironically, as I was getting ready for this message, my heart started beating faster and faster every single day because I looked at preparing. I looked at all the things I had to get done. I had to cancel meetings because I was so overwhelmed and so busy with my to-do list. And so I felt this hurry sickness. It's it's kind of funny. Like every time I preach a message, God's like, you're going to suffer from that. I'm like, thanks, God. That's really helpful. So you know it's coming from a personal place. I believe it. All right, whatever. So But this term, I really, 
feel serious that you need to understand what it is. So let me explain it. Some cardiologists actually started diagnosing this. Um, Meyer Friedman and Ray Roseman, they coined the term hurry sickness after noticing that many of their patients suffered from a harrying sense of time urgency. Here's how they defined it. A continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less in less time. Does that resonate here? That resonated with me this past week. I, I was not as involved in conversations. You know what that means, right? Like they're talking, but I'm not listening. <laughs> Sorry, staff. Um, but it, it's, it's like, I, I, was, I was always worrying about what I needed to do next. It's almost like I wasn't present in my heart. Every, when I went to bed, I could sleep, but then the next, as soon as I woke up, I thought about all I had to do and my heart started being faster and faster. Let me explain how hurry sickness might show up in your life. You're at the grocery store, you're in the checkout line, and you're analyzing every other checkout line to see which one you need to switch to to go faster. Oh, I sound like I hit somebody there. At a red light, instead of, you know the red light's gonna change, but instead you go to your phone and check your texts, your DMs, or any emails you might have missed in the 30 seconds you were sitting there. In conversations, you're not paying attention to the person in front of you. You're actually thinking about what you need to do next and you're not as present in meetings. Multitasking is probably the biggest one. You multitask all the time. You're like, I've got to get so many things. I'm going to do multiple things all at the same time. Even though you've heard about the research that says multitasking reduces productivity by 40%. According to this, I feel like we all have hurry sickness, right? I'm like, seriously, people with hurry sickness, they think fast, they talk fast, they act fast. They multitask and rush against the clock, feeling pressure to get things done, and they get flustered by any sign of a problem. And here's what's interesting. It's actually detrimental to your health. Hurry sickness increases the output of the hormone cortisol, which can cause long-term health problems, such as depression and burnout. It can affect your personal relationships as well, because what you do is you end up carrying home these working habits, because your mind stays focused in a state of overstimulation. See, being busy is usually seen as a virtue, right? And it's not necessarily bad, but when busyness tips over into hurry sickness, the consequences can be severe. So here's what I wanna do. Ironically, I wanna give you a checklist of some symptoms of hurry sickness and see how many you check off. So the first one is irritability. Irritability, does, do people annoy you constantly? Especially when they interrupt? <laughs> hypersensitivity can someone say one small thing or you get a grumpy email and then the rest of your day is ruined you're done restlessness are you able to actually do things that give life to your soul and rest or you just sit down and you're like I can't stop running this race my mind won't stop next one is workaholism you try to stop working, but you can't. This next one's huge. Emotional numbness. You try and feel other people's pain, and you can't. You, you can't even step into their shoes, you can, or, or you don't want to. Out of order priorities, do you, 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 don't, you don't live in your identity or calling, and you kind of misprioritize life, like you don't spend time or even focus on your relationships, like your friends, your coworkers, your spouse, your family. Lack of care for your body. 
I know I joked about the shower, but maybe not taking care of yourself, not eating right, not working out. This is another big one, escapist behaviors. You essentially have an unhealthy outlet because you don't know how to find healthy outlets. You um, numb yourself with maybe uh, overeating, over drinking, binge watching, scrolling, 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 uh, watching something you shouldn't be watching. Just insert your preferred cultural narcotic, okay? Just put that in there. Uh, Slippage of spiritual disciplines. If you're a follower of Jesus, ironically, this is the first thing to go. You start not, the thing that actually you should run to, you run from. You don't wake up in the morning and spend time with Jesus, praying, reading, spending time with other believers who can uplift you, coming to church. Like you actually run from those things ironically. And the last one, but not the least one, isolation. You might be surrounded by people, but you feel alone. You're by yourself. You're not connected to anyone or even your own soul. So how many of those would you check? It's a tough list to see, isn't it? Because a lot of us, again, I think all of us deal with this. In fact, uh, the London Business School did a survey for managers and 95% of managers suffer from hurry sickness. So what caused this? Where did this come from? Well, one thing that researchers are saying is technology was supposed to slow us down while getting more done, specifically our phones. But yet instead, it's created a compulsion to check that last email, make sure to not miss that last post, to answer that last text. It's the textbook definition for the word addiction, which says this, the relentless pull to a substance or an activity that becomes so compulsive, it ultimately interferes with everyday life. Now you might be saying, I'm not addicted to my phone, Raul. Okay, prove it. Turn it off for 24 hours and see if you don't end up on the floor in a fetal position with your teeth chattering, right? I would be doing that. I was like, oh, I need that. Um, There has to be a better way. Our culture, there's something deeply wrong with our culture. So in this series, for the next couple of parts, I want to talk about what it's like to not feel that way, to find a different way, a way that provides a sense of accomplishment for your whole life. Now, this new way, I was introduced through a book. It was introduced to me through a book. And people have been telling me, Raul, you need to read this book. You need to read it. It was popular. It just came out a couple years ago. People were like, it's so good. It's so good. I'm like, I don't have time to, right? I'm good. My life's fine. I feel like I'm accomplishing a lot. I feel successful. Then one day someone's like, you can't keep going at this pace. You need to read this book. And I was like, fine, I'll read it. Actually, I don't have time to read it, so I'm going to listen to it. And I listened to it at one and a half times speed. <laughs> Who need- and the title of the book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Who needed that book? This guy. I have gone back, okay, and listened to it at one time speed, I promise. But yeah, in that book, there's a conversation between two guys. John Ortberg, who is a pastor of a large church in California, and Dallas Willard, professor, theologian, spiritual advisor to University of Southern California. And John Ortberg was, as part of, pastor of a large church, was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep going to this pace. I'm answering emails, I'm responding to prayer requests, I'm praying with people, I'm spending time with people, I'm counseling people. It's just nonstop. So he calls up his spiritual mentor, Willard, and he says, hey, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be? This is not producing the fruit or the results that I want to have. There's this long silence on the other line with Willard. He said, there's always a long silence. And he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. 
okay. Jim Ortberg's like, what else? Another long pause. There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. See, he realized at that point of being busy was destroying his health, relationships, and his connection to his faith. He had too much he was trying to accomplish, and it caused him to, to not even lean into his relationship with his heavenly father as a pastor. Now, let me explain something. There's a difference between busyness and hurrying, okay? I don't want you to be like, we're not allowed to be busy because everyone today goes, how are you doing? Busy, right? That's what pretty much everyone says. No, there's a difference. And here's how we know the difference. We're going to look at the life of Jesus. When you look at the way Jesus, um, his story and what was written about him, he walked everywhere. He didn't skip. He didn't hop. He didn't run. He didn't Olympic speed walk, all right? He walked everywhere, but yet he accomplished so much that we're still talking about him during his three and a half years of ministry. He's created a new way of life that we're still trying to live today. And you know what that did, right? His way of life. It helped him be open to interruptions, open to things changing, essentially open to what God had for his life. And so the antidote, the antidote, the antidote I believe to hurry sickness is the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus to live life how he wants to live. Now, before I explain what this is, um, I want to make sure you understand where I'm coming from. This is not something that you can just add to your already crammed up life. Um, you just can't add the way of Jesus like, oh yeah, this sounds awesome. I'm going to add it because that's what happens when we hear a message like this. I'm going to add this to my life and so that way, if it's going to change everything. The disciples spent three and a half years learning this with Jesus by apprenticing under him. So this takes time. So don't try this and then beat yourself up when it doesn't happen. It'll take time. Now you're like, bro, I don't want to do something for three and a half years. I have, I, there's no way. I'm like, I have ADD. There's no way I can focus on this, right? You can. Just st- I'm going to give you some small steps to get this, but I just want to make sure I say that before I continue because to adopt the way of Jesus, you have to adapt to the lifestyle of Jesus. It's a whole new outlook of life. We can't just add this to what we want to do. So John actually talks about it. The apostle John, he was one of Jesus' disciples and he wrote a biography about the life of Jesus. And he recounts during this one moment, this point when Jesus explains this way and it caused the disciples who were listening to lean in. Here's what he said. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. So Jesus pulls out uh, a reference and he says, I am the vine. You have to be connected to me because with the vine, it would feed life from the vine into the branches. When the branch would separate from the vine, it would wither and die pretty quickly. And so you had to stay connected. And he's explaining, I am the vine and you're the branches. He's establishing a relationship. And then he says this, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So For those of us who are followers of Jesus, our goal is to remain in him, to stay in him. Some other translations use the word abide. It's this thing of staying, it's this intimate word of staying connected to Jesus all the time. Essentially what he was saying is, you can't keep running the pace you're running at and stay connected to me because my way is walking, you might be running, and when you you run, you pull away from my pace of life. And when that happens, you become separated. No, you have to remain in me. You have to abide in me, which means you have to adopt and adapt my, to my way of life. And, spend, and what that looks like is you just spend time with Jesus and you follow the way he lived. That's it. What Jesus was saying is, I don't want you to follow a list of rules or boxes to check. This is, that's not this. 
This is remain in me, stay connected into me. I want to change your entire way of life. And he continues with this, in this bold statement. Um, and then he finishes and he says, I will produce, you will produce much fruit. Now, this is interesting. If you remain in me and you will produce much fruit, what's that fruit he's talking about? Well, it's the me you want to be. You see, if you remain in Jesus and adapt to his way of life, you're going to look over your shoulder and people are going to say things like, wow, you're, you're so much more at peace. You're easier to talk to. And you're going to be like, I know, it's crazy, it's amazing. And people are going to say, you've changed. What are you doing differently? And, they're going to, and you're going to say, nothing. I'm actually doing less than I've ever done before and accomplishing more, and I'm more at peace. And the fruit that Jesus is talking about, it gets better. It's going to infuse into other people, and they're going to want that same way of life, and you're going to help them choose that way, which is a better way, which will help change all of society, which I believe if we adapt to this way, we can live that way. We can change Hamilton Mill, Gwinnett County, Hall County, Barrow County, and beyond. Like we can do that. But what he's saying is <clears throat> you can't do this on your own. You need me. And that's what he says next. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus was saying, you can try and do this on your own because you've been living that way. Check the boxes, live by a set of rules, and just try and strive and do more and do more. And you might accomplish a lot of things, but at what cost? You might burn out or you might burn the relationships you currently have. And so for us, what we need to do is realize that we have to begin with him. Not just make him a part of our life, but truly begin with him because then we get that full life, that satisfied life, a life worth living. So to do that, I want to give you a step. Now, this step is not going to change the way you're living. This is actually going to open yourself up to adapt to the way of Jesus. And it's based on a leadership principle I learned many years ago. See, I'm a ready, fire, aim kind of guy, if you couldn't tell. I think fast. I make decisions quickly. I speak fast. I kind of verbal process, which is good sometimes. It gets me in trouble a lot. Um, and so someone taught me this principle, and it's called practice the pause. It's this principle where you wait five seconds to speak, to make a decision, and it kind of resets your mind, kind of slows you down, kind of makes you go, oh, let me think about what I'm about to say or the decision I'm about to make. Now, for our time today, the reason I want you to do that is it's going to remind you to remain, to abide, to stay connected to Jesus. And here's how you're going to do that. During those five seconds, I want you to say this prayer. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. So some ways you can use this. When you're at a red light and you're trying to pick which lane to stop in and you always go to the one that's less, even though it's one car less, instead, God... Help me walk, drive slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. When you feel the compulsion to check your phone, even though there's no new notification, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. When that person interrupts you or annoys you, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. 
I want you to practice this, the pause and say this prayer anytime you're feeling hurried, you're flustered, or you're overwhelmed by life. And I just, or anytime you just want to react, and I want you to think about what God has for you, the life God has for you. And this will remind you to abide and to stay connected and to remain in Jesus. Now, when you do this, when you practice the pause, you're going to slow down, but slowing down doesn't mean you're not going to get stuff done. It, does, it means you're not going to hurry anymore. You're not going to constantly go, go, go. It means you're going to pay attention to what's happening around you. It means focusing on what Jesus offers you, peace, rest, not the heaviness of having to get everything done, but instead realizing he is all you need. It's a new way of life, and that lifts a weight off your shoulders, and you can keep living life, staying connected to Jesus, and that's where we receive your source of strength, because he is the vine, and we are the branches. And then you'll see fruit in your life, the fruit that Jesus talks about that helps you have a better outlook on life, a better relationship with your kids, with your spouse, and with your coworkers. And what I love is once you start seeing this fruit, you're going to wonder, is this the fruit Jesus is talking about? Is this what he's mentioning? And Paul realized that in his letter to the Galatians, he actually outlines and defines what this fruit looks like. Here's what he said. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. And you know what patience is, right? It's not blowing up when someone interrupts you. Kindness, kindness, letting other people merge in front of you in traffic. Okay, good. <laughs> I was wondering how that was going to land. Um, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, oh, self-control. Can we all use a little more self-control, especially with midterm elections coming up? Just saying. Now, some of you just looked at this list and said, I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to be more loving. Check. I'm going to be more kind. Check. You are missing the whole point of what I'm trying to say this morning. This is not a checklist. This is a results list. When you stay connected to Jesus and you remain in him, this is what happens. This is the life we want to be characterized. This is the me we want to be, right? See, Paul even addresses this because he knew you would think about this. He, find, he finishes that statement with this. He says, there is no law against these things. See, the old law couldn't produce these things. The old law just said, do more, and hopefully this will happen. But instead, the new law... The new covenant with Jesus says, this is what happens when you live my way. Instead of trying to do more, to be more, to, to promise other people that you'll do better. Stuff like that. And that's what I love about following the way of Jesus. Now, you might be sitting here and you're like, great, Raul. Love this. Gentle, kind. That works great for my kids, but not in my career. If I act like this in my career, people are going to walk all over me. They're not going to listen to me as their manager, as their boss. Well, here's what I want to say. The guy who wrote this, who wrote all about Galatians, all these fruits of the spirit, in business terms, he actually started all the Jesus franchises around the world. He left corporate headquarters on a boat to explain a new way of life to everyone around him. Because why? He wanted to be characterized by these things. And he said, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. And when he was thrown in prison, he wrote letters about it. And we're still talking about it after billions of people have chosen to follow Jesus. And here's what I know about you. You want your spouse, your husband, or your wife to act like this. You want your kids to act like this. You want your coworkers to treat you like this. You want your daughter to marry 
someone like this, right? It's because it's a new way of life. It's different. So this will make you less productive. You'll get so much more done because your mind will be freed up to focus on the things that you want to focus on, to focus on what really matters. Instead of trying to jump from one thing and multitask and constantly get things done because you're remaining in Jesus and that's where you're getting your strength. And then when that happens, other people will start paying attention. They'll start saying things like, hey, you don't blow up like you used to blow up. And you say, I know, it's kind of scaring me. <laughs> and you're a better listener, I know. It's kind of nice. And so your relationships with people will get better. But not only that, your relationship with your heavenly father will get better. Because your view of God will change from him wanting something from you to wanting something for you, this new way of life. And you'll serve him out of gratitude, not obligation. You'll come here and you'll sing songs out of love for him, and you'll want to tell everyone about this way of life. But it begins with you chasing, choosing, chasing to follow the way of Jesus, choosing to follow the way of Jesus by practicing the pause and saying, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love other people deeply. For me, that's what I started doing this week. When I was going just a little bit over the speed limit and I didn't need to hurry, I said, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Instead of getting annoyed when my kids interrupting something I was doing, I said, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And then I paid attention to them and it changed everything for me. Now my heart is more at rest. My heart is not beating constantly. And I'm able to rest and to have healthy outlets and to love my wife better, to lead this church better, and to be available actually more to people. And so I believe in this way of life, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. And I hope you'll consider doing that. Because doesn't this way of life sound better than do more, be better, follow this list of rules, of checklists, and try to just do, 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 be, 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 promise, break promise. Doesn't it sound better than that? It's because it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good that you would be willing to come to us to have a relationship with us so that we could have a new way of life, that you saw how we were living and how we've been living, and you promise a better way, a way that allows us to pause and to focus on our relationship with Jesus, where we can abide and remain in him. And then because of that, he will produce much fruit in our lives. There's nothing we can do to produce that fruit, but you promise us that that will happen. You promise us that when we walk slowly enough, we'll experience Jesus fully and we'll be able to love other people deeply. Thank you. Thank you that we have this opportunity, that we could even talk to you right now. It blows my mind. And we pray all this in your son's matchless name, Jesus. Amen.